Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 11, verse 28. Everything that happens to you as a Christian starts with a call. But if Abram would have said no or not responded, and I'm going to show you where it seems like he parked for a while, what would have happened? God can use somebody else if you don't obey. But everything starts with a call. And sometimes God refines your call. Sometimes he recalls you over and over again as you fight him. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Anybody been fighting God lately? Anybody been saying, oh, no, I won't go like Jonah? You guys have heard the, the story of the skeptical atheist guy, and he, he meets this new budding Christian. She only knows John 3.16 and a few Bible stories. And this atheist is beating her up. And he confronts her, and she's gone out to street witness, even though she's pretty new, and he's beating her up. What about this? What about evolution? What about those stories in the Bible like Jonah? Do you really believe that Jonah was in a great whale or fish for three days and three nights? How do you think that happened? What are the mechanics of that? And he's beating her up. She goes, sir, I don't know. I don't know. But one thing I know, when I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah how it happened, and he'll tell me. And the atheist said, well, what if Jonah's in hell? She said, then you can ask him. (laughs) So there you go. So our knowledge of Abraham extends back to the 19th century B.C. Scripture indicates he was a citizen of the city of Ur, located on the Euphrates River, what is today southern Iraq. Ur was already an ancient city in Abraham's time. It boasted an elaborate system of writing. All of this was dug up. Mathematical calculations, sophisticated educational facilities, extensive business and religious records, and the moon god that was worshipped in the massive three-stage ziggurat built by Ur-Namu, which seemed to be the king of the area, second millennium B.C. Um, the name of the, there was a, on the top level, there was a one-room shrine of Namu, the moon god. And so there it is. That's, that was the feature, the religious feature of Ur of the Chaldees. So it was a sophisticated area, but it was very pagan. So let's see what happens next. So it says, 29, Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Now remember, Haran is died, so there's two sons left. Now, Milcah, by the way, Bible students, is the, grand, the granddaughter of this marriage between Nahor and Milcah is Rebekah, just a side note. And uh, there is an uncle-niece relationship between Nahor and Milcah. Don't let that trouble you. The population was fairly small, and there was some intermarrying that did occur uh, until the law was given. And so notice we're going to learn some things now about the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. There's another daughter there. Look at verse 30. And Sarai, now we learn something about Abram's wife, was barren. She had no child. In the ancient world, to be barren, just like I'm sure it is today, was, was a heartache. But in that world, it was very difficult to deal with. In fact, a woman saw that it was really her honor and duty to give children to her husband. And so to be barren, to experience barrenness was a difficult plight. 
And we can see this with Hannah. And we're going to see this later in the book of Genesis with, a, with some other prominent ladies. But it's a problem when you're supposed to be this father of many nations and in you, all the families of the earth are supposed to be blessed and yet your wife can't have children. So in Genesis 15, this is just a, a preview of what's coming. Abram says to God, uh, I don't have an heir. So I appreciate these promises you're giving to me and these blessings and you're telling me like the sand of the seashore and the stars of the sky, I'm going to have all these descendants. There's only one problem. Uh, my wife can't have children. And so you guys know what happens in between the realization of the promise and waiting on God is the whole incident with Hagar, the Egyptian maid woman. By the way, she marries Abram or Abraham at the prompting of Abraham's wife. So she becomes a second wife. And in the ancient world, they did this to bring offspring. So when you sometimes see you know, what we would consider polygamous relationships, they were often based upon the fact that there was infertility in one of the wives. So to bring a posterity to the husband, another wife would be brought in. But when there was two cooks in the, in the tent... <laughs> And if you've read the story, you know what happens. Oh, it gets ugly. Abram walks in. The two ladies are on the ground. Now, I don't know if they really didn't have but It wasn't pretty. And so we'll get to that. But that's another thing that's coming up in the book of Genesis. And Terah took Abram, his son, 31, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans, so they're going to leave their homeland now, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. Now, I just want to show you the geography here. So see where the Persian Gulf is on the bottom right? There's Ur of the Chaldeans. That's the, that, that's the most attested location. So if you chart Abraham's travels, he goes northwest about 550 miles, he would pass through the area of ancient Babylon. And then he's going to go up. If you look at the top of the screen, you can see Haran. Uh, I think I can point with this thing, can't I? All right, so there's Haran right there. So he's starting down in the Persian Gulf area. And he's going to trek through Babylon. You can see the Euphrates and Tigris rivers that are running down here. So this is kind of along the water. Some people say, well, why didn't he just trek across the Arabian Desert like that? Well, across the desert was a pretty tough trip, especially with your family and arguments historically whether or not camels were domesticated at this point or you had to hoof it on foot. And so the easier way to travel is to go this way and they would go up in the area of Haran. Now these two locations, Ur and Haran, were both very famous for moon goddess or moon god worship. So it may be that there was some... Um, connection there, but rather than going across the Arabian desert, they go up this way. But here's the thing that happens. They settled, look at verse 31, they went as far as Haran and settled there. Now, I want to just park here for a moment and ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts, chapter 7. And I'll show you, um, this is Stephen's shining sermon you guys remember he was being falsely accused, Acts chapter 7. And his face looked like the face, remember, of an angel. I don't know what that looked like. But the council members looked at him and it was just like, oh, and it must have freaked them out. 
So Stephen begins a sermon. This is Acts 7, verse 1. Acts 7, verse 1. The high priest said, Are these things so to the false accusations? He said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory, Acts 7, 2, appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Now, the commentary we get from Stephen, and I think he knows his stuff, is that before the departure from Ur to Haran occurred, Abram got a call from God. In fact, if you look at Acts 7, verse 2, it says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. And he said to him, depart from your, your country, your relatives, and come to the land that I will show you. Then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, special note, God removed him into this country in which you are now living. He gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, and yet even when he had no child, he promised that he would give to him as a possession and do his offspring after him. But God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be aliens in a foreign land, that they would be enslaved and mistreated for how many? 400 years, you just write in your Bible, Egypt there. And whatever nation to which they shall be in bondage, I myself will judge, said God, and after that they will come out and serve me in this place. So Stephen comments and says that the call of Abram came while he was in Ur, and it, it would appear that it seems clear, if you go back to Genesis, that the God of glory appeared to Abram, spoke to him, called him, and then they went up to the northwest instead of going across the Arabian desert, as I just showed you, and they went as far as Haran. And if you look at Genesis 11.31, it seems like Terah um, took Abraham, his son, and he was the one leading this caravan to go to the land of Canaan. Could it be that God appeared not only to Abram, but to Terah as well. But as they went, and as they journeyed, you know, from this area of the Persian Gulf up to Haran, they settled there. Uh, some say they settled there for 15 years until the death of Terah. If Terah's name means station, or if it means uh, to, to pause, or what did I say the word was? To tarry. Delay. Um, I just want to stop here and tell you there's a little bit of debate about whether his name means that, but it's, it's pretty cool if it does, and here's why. Because when you're following God and God tells you to go somewhere, sometimes we hit delay points. I just want to ask you. And remember that Abram's call was to boogie out just with his wife and to leave behind how much? Everything. So there was some compromise there with Terah. And I don't know all the dynamics that went up. It seems went on that Terah was driving some of the ship, but there, there seemed to be partial obedience. And then there seemed to be a delay in Haran. I don't know if things were cool there. I don't know if they liked you know, the restaurants or <laughs> whatever was going on. But this was a delay, and the delay could have been 15 years. And I just want to ask you, have some of you delayed the fulfillment of your calling because you've settled somewhere? You know you had a call on your life. You began to walk in obedience, but maybe it was a little bit of partial obedience. Maybe you said, I'll go, but even though God said this, I'm not going to 
do leave everything behind. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go up here, and then he settled. And you know who was the one who pushed the settling? Was it his dad? Did he just go along with the program? I don't know for sure. But Haran was one major trade route coming up from Canaan and Syria. It was an important city which still exists today, by the way. Haran means mountaineer. And I've heard some say Haran means barrenness. Sarai is barren. If the proper name is barrenness, they've settled in a barren place. And when you delay obedience to God, you become barren. You don't, you're not fruitful. Jesus said we're supposed to be, what, fruitful people. But when we delay or we give partial obedience, we don't produce all the fruit that God has called us to produce. And so they, look at verse 31. Some of you need to mark that. They settled there. Sarai uh, was barren. Her name means, by the way, princess. And there's scholars that say that all the names that are listed here, uh, maybe not Abram's, but the other names that are listed, listed here, connect to the worship of the moon goddess. Sarai's name can mean reign or queen. In Hebrew, it seems to mean princess. So if you have a Sarah in your life, that would be the meaning of the name. And so God says in Genesis 15, 7, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. In Nehemiah 9, 7, and 8, it says, You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. And you did find his heart faithful before you. And you did make a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanite, of the Hittite and the Amorite, of the Perizzite and Jebusite and the Girgashite, to give to his descendants and thou hast fulfilled thy promise for thou art righteous. And so I want you to notice back on the map, if you uh, look at where they ended up, this is about the halfway point and this is a picture of halfway obedience. They're supposed to go down to this area. This is where... Jerusalem is, and this is where Israel is, but they settled there. Halfway obedience will get you uh, barrenness or halfway to where you're supposed to be. And so Genesis 11, verse 32 says, the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died uh, in Haran. So once Terah died, according to Acts 7, we get confirmation that then uh, things kept moving forward. Now, if you move into chapter 12 with me, we're just going to, I'm going to do an introduction to the first three verses and we're done. These are key verses and they're key because of this flag. And if you've heard the statement, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, we're about to read where that comes from. So stick with me and look with me at Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, maybe this is a reiteration of the call, from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those, Genesis 12, 3, who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you, how many? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now what I'd like to do in the last moments that we have together is take you through seven promises that God gives to Abram as he walks by faith 
in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Go back in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house. Leave everything behind to the land which I will show you. Walk by faith. Here's the seven promises listed in verses 2 and 3. One, I will make you a great nation. Seven is the number of perfection or completion. Two, I will bless you. Three, I will make your name great. Four, you shall be a blessing. Five, I will bless those who bless you. Six, the one who curses you, I will curse. And the seventh promise is, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here is the call of Abram to go to an unknown realm and to walk by faith. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Maybe when Paul wrote that, he was thinking about Abram because he didn't know where he was going. It wasn't blind faith, but it was obedience with the eyes of faith. And when God asks you to respond to a call, he's going to ask you to trust him one step at a time. Rarely ever in my Christian experience has God unveiled the entire plan to me, although I have cried out for it. Anybody else? Lord, could you give more detail? (laughs) Why do you seem to cloak things in mystery? Why do you do this? Because I want you to obey me one step at a time. Will you obey me? Will you believe You see, for Abram to embrace the seven promises, if you want to be a great nation, if you want to be blessed, if you want your name to be great, if you want to be a blessing, if you want me to bless those who bless you, then walk in obedience to me. You want the promises? They cost. You want to be in shape? Work out. It doesn't happen by accident. I know, 1999, the thing at night. You get the six-pack. It doesn't work. All you did was waste 1999. If it were easy, everybody would be in shape. Amen? If faith were easy, everybody would be walking in the promises. What do you want to do? You got one life. The Bible does not teach reincarnation. It does not teach you you get to do it over and over again. That's Eastern religion. The Bible says you got one shot. What do you want to do? You want to walk in his ways? You want to have a name that's great? A name that's respected? It's not about your name, but God blesses because God blesses. And here's the promise before Abram. This is what I'm going to do, but I want you to walk with me. I'm going to make you a great nation. You see the flag behind me? That's a great nation, a very enterprising people. But boy, have they been abused. Boy, have they been persecuted. And if you look at Revelation 12, and I'm not going to go there tonight, there's a story told in Revelation 12 that sums up the conflict of the ages and it sums up history and your Bible. And it says there's a great red dragon who wants to kill the male child that comes from this nation. That's been Satan's plan all along. That's why Egypt persecuted them. That's why Assyria persecuted them. That's why Babylon and Medo-Persia and uh, segments of the Grecian Empire and Rome and the Ottoman Empire and Nazi Germany and today all the nations that seem to be around Israel. Why are they a target? Because from that line will come the Messiah. And the red dragon 
there, probably representing blood of persecution. He doesn't want that to happen, or he didn't want that to happen, but it's happened. In the Hebrew language, uh, I will bless those who bless you. Blessing is the assurance of divine favor. To be blessed is to have God smile. It's to have God's favor and grace. When you say to somebody, God bless you, you're saying to somebody, may God smile upon you. May God give you grace and favor. May his hand of blessing be on you. The idea of imparting a blessing takes us back to the patriarchs who would bless children and grandchildren on their deathbeds. They, will, they would impart a blessing. When the return of Christ happens, we call that the blessed hope. In the Hebrew picture language, blessed is B-A-R-A-K. It's, it is in Hebrew, in the, in the, it's barak. And it means the sun covered. It means to be covered by an open hand. It means that God's hand is over you. When you say, God bless that child, God bless that nation, God bless America, what you are saying is, Lord, cover us in your grace. Lord, cover us in your mercy. And that nation has a promise, the flag that's behind me, and it says that through that line, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And God made a promise. I will bless those. I will smile upon. I will pour divine grace upon those who bless you and those who curse you. And the word curse in Hebrew is kalal. Q-U-Q-A-L-A-L. And it means if you curse that nation, you will diminish. Here's the word curse. It means to be made of nothing, to diminish in substance. That's a curse. A blessing means to lift up, to cover, to pour grace upon. A curse means to remove grace from. Are you with me? So any nation that is willing to stand with that nation that got a promise from God and blesses that nation will have the smile of God. And any nation or people or person who curses that nation will be diminished will lose their light, lose their substance, lose their strength, and perhaps even disappear from the face of the earth. You can take it to the bank. I didn't say it. God said it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. My brothers and sisters, you've been blessed to be a blessing. You, right now, have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You possess that right now. But you've been blessed not to just take that for yourself and say, Hey, I'm good. How you doing today? Blessed. How you doing today? Blessed. Well, you are blessed. But it's not just about you. You're blessed to be what? A blessing. This nation was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. This nation was supposed to tell other people how to find the living God. That nation, sadly, not a whole lot of believers in Yeshua and Messiah today. Some are coming. We pray more. But God's going to sum up the times in this land and Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And a promise is here. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father, 
We certainly want to follow in the footsteps of Abram and then Abraham. We are blessed people, Lord. Oh, it's so beautiful to know that your hand covers. In Jesus, we have found refuge, protection, strength. But more than that, he is our salvation. The ultimate blessing has come to us in Christ Jesus. We are blessed. This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over this station to you. But um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just want to take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, When Oscar and I walk into this studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion. And if you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God. Corona, California 92880. Again, that is Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way. Corona, California, 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California, Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951-735-2856. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website, If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have childcare, Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.